was in this long bus ride and the person next to me was looking at YouTube videos. Let's face it, we've all been there. You're on the bus, bored out of your head, and you start looking at the phone of the person sitting next to you. Maybe they're watching your favorite TV show. Maybe they're watching something weirder. I realized that he was watching these conspiracy theories, and they were more and more crazy. World politicians secretly orchestrating the genocide of their own people. Obscure organizations covertly running the world. Monuments so bizarre that they must have been built by aliens. Theories so outlandish, you find yourself asking the person sitting next to you. So you don't believe that it's actually true? And this person says, no, of course not. But it does raise an interesting question. If it's completely false... Why are there so many videos like that? Why are there conspiracy videos on YouTube? Every day, people watch more than a billion hours of video footage on YouTube. That's an almost endless stream of music videos, cuddly cats, pranks, social challenges, but also of far more toxic content. Conspiracy theories, misinformation, fake news, hate speech, they can all be found on YouTube. And you may think you'd never give a second's attention to such rubbish. Everybody thinks they're really very strong and very resistant to manipulation and clickbait. And I thought that too. But by default, YouTube does have the power to choose which videos to show you next. So unless you change your settings... What type of content will it pick for you? This is the BBC Trending Podcast, where we take an investigative look into the world of social media. I'm Marco Silva, and today I'll be speaking to Guillaume Chalot. Until 2013, he was one of the software engineers helping YouTube figure out which videos it should recommend to you every time you go online. As I'll explain later, he's since been fired from the company. But Guillaume says YouTube's obsession with keeping people watching has turned the company into an incubator for false, incendiary, sensationalist videos. And this, he says, is having a very real impact in the physical world. People are more polarized than ever and their anger is boiling over. But more on that in a moment. For now, let's head to France. I've come to Paris to meet Guillaume. On our way to the flat where we'll record our interview, we drive past the Louvre Museum's iconic glass pyramid. The sky is blue, the sun is out, so tourists are everywhere. Guillaume and I chit-chat casually in the car about the weather, the news, his work. He's a researcher at the University of Paris-Est, and he does sport an academic, almost professorial look. White shirt, clean-shaven, hair neatly trimmed... He may be soft-spoken, but there's a spark in his intensely blue eyes when he talks about his passion, technology. I started to like computers very early. My dad offered me this computer, and then I was really into games and really into programming with the first programming language, and I was really into physics too. In university, Guillaume studied computer science and artificial intelligence, or AI, and his skills landed him a job at Google, which owns YouTube. That was back in 2010. I 
was put on my first project, YouTube Recommendation Engine. So I was very excited to apply artificial intelligence to really help people see the best video for them. So we were building the program that were deciding like for each people which recommendation they should see, for instance, on the home page or on the sidebar. How is that decided? If, if, you, if you had to explain that to someone who has no knowledge of, of technology, how are those recommendations determined? Or at least how were they determined back when you were working in the company? We used an AI to predict how likely you would be to stay online uh, if you watch this or that video. So we looked at each video and see which one was the most likely for you. So the AI did it. So we just programmed an AI that did that for all billions of users of YouTube. In other words, Guillaume helped devise the algorithm, the instructions, if you will, that the computers follow to present you, the person using YouTube, with videos you're likely to want to watch next. And these instructions were conceived with one main goal in mind. And that, according to Guillaume, was watch time. How long people stay online in total, not only on this video, but in total. So we didn't want to really look at what type of content they were watching. We just figured out, like, hey, if they're watching a long time, it must be that they're happy. Now, the way YouTube makes money mostly comes down to the adverts that are shown to you before or during any given video. Logically, the more time you spend on YouTube watching videos, the better for the company. More videos equals more adverts, which equals more money. So, all of a sudden, deciding which video to recommend to you becomes kind of a big deal. Depending on what you're shown, you may well decide to leave YouTube or stay and keep watching. And what's making that decision? The algorithm. Recommendations are fundamental for YouTube's business model because they are more than 70% of all views on YouTube. 70% of 1 billion hours watched daily, it's like 700 million hours daily that are computed by an algorithm. YouTube makes a few cents per each hour that users spend on YouTube, over 700 millions, it's a lot of money in terms of advertisement. So, as far as YouTube's concerned, the longer you spend watching videos, the better. No surprise there, but this is where things start getting a bit more complicated. According to Guillaume, this basic idea to push content that will keep people on YouTube lies at the very beginning of a long chain of unintended consequences. You have like small communities of users all around YouTube, so you had like a small flatters community. And then the algorithm noticed that this small flatters community spends a lot more time on YouTube uh, than other communities. So it recommends more their videos, so their videos get more views. So I went down to the seashore and I did my own testing. What sort of testing? So you take a straight edge and you go from one end and you follow the horizon of the ocean. It's flat. Then if you're a YouTuber, you want to jump on bandwagon. So if people start talking about flatters, you want to talk about flatters. You don't want to care if it's true or not.
And Guillaume says this doesn't only apply to people who believe the Earth is flat. Think about all those small fringe movements that you've come across online. Small communities of highly motivated people with outrageous ideas. 9-11 deniers, white supremacists, Islamist extremists. Guillaume says that because of all the time they spend on YouTube, they can effectively persuade the algorithm their content is worth recommending. At the end of the day, it's the kind of stuff that keeps people watching. And they're so successful that other YouTubers then follow on their footsteps. So they produce cheap videos about the same topics, hoping to turn clicks into ad revenue. The spiral of toxic content just keeps growing and makes its way into your feed. So the algorithm is not even trying to measure what you want. It's not trying to give you any control. It's just trying to keep you uh, watching longer. And then it has this assumption, like if you stay online longer, that's what you want. But that's not true. And the way Guillaume sees it, this problem is a multifaceted one. YouTube recommends to you content that somehow reflects your views, biases, prejudices, stuff you're likely to agree with at first. But in order to keep you watching, it needs to keep you engaged, not bored. So to do that, it recommends increasingly provocative content that appeals to your emotions. As time goes by, not only do these recommendations become more extreme and more partisan than ever, but some of them start losing touch with reality. And that's where misinformation and conspiracy theories come in. These videos do so well online that there's no chance YouTube is not going to push them your way. Or so Guillaume says. But at what price does that come? It's killing the civic debate and it's making society more and more divided. Because the algorithm is not designed to help the civic debate. We're pushing people towards the extreme. We're pushing people to hate each other, to attack each other, to humiliate each other. That's good for watch time, but that's not healthy for society. Now this division is with Brexit in the UK, but it's with the yellow vest in France. It's with the border wall in the US. So the algorithms are putting oil on the fire. And beyond political division, there's another effect of YouTube's recommendation engine. There was a lot of extremist content, especially ISIS, content that was promoted by YouTube. So the way uh, YouTube moderation worked is that they waited for you to report the content. But then it could take a few days because this video was recommended only to people who were likely to like this content. So most people didn't even notice how much terrorist content was on YouTube. And since the content was extremely engaging, extremely good in terms of clickbait and watch time, then the algorithm was really recommending it to a lot of people. And some of the people working in counter-terrorism actually agree with Guillaume's point. Not just about YouTube, but about all social media platforms that rely on algorithms. Remember the Sri Lanka bombings that happened over Easter? Well, here in Britain, the former head of counter-terrorism policing was asked by the BBC about the role social media played in the radicalization of the Sri Lankan bombers. Here's what Sir Mark Rowley had to say. And again, do bear in mind, he's not talking just about YouTube, but about social media as a whole. All the material that we all read, that they curate, the algorithms are designed to push us towards 
contentious material because that feeds their bottom line in terms of revenue through advertising. The contentious is often the extremist. And so they are pushing readers towards extremist material. It's important to say that YouTube, like most social media platforms you know, has clear community guidelines. And their rules state very clearly that some types of content will simply not be allowed on the platform. That refers to hateful, violent, threatening, misleading, sexual, dangerous content. But for all of the company's efforts to draw a line users are not allowed to cross, there will always be those who find new ways to go around the rules. And so begins a game of cat and mouse between YouTube and YouTubers. I was not the one who created the problem, but I contributed to the problem. When this realization dawned on him, Guillaume says he approached his bosses at YouTube with a couple of ideas to fix what he described as the problems with the company's algorithm. Guillaume says they weren't particularly open to his ideas, but he decided to work on them anyway. And this eventually got him fired. That was back in 2013. I was not focused on my job as much as I should be. So when they say, OK, we fired Guillaume for performance review, I mean, this is totally correct. But I've also been fired because... I thought this was dangerous for the users in the long term, and so it was dangerous for the company in the long term. Guillaume was unemployed, but still determined to tell the world how YouTube was supposedly pushing out contentious, divisive videos over more mainstream content. So he came up with a website, algotransparency.org, which every day runs a test on YouTube. I took a set of 1,000 uh, information channels that are the biggest information channels and see where you go from there if you just follow recommendations. Through this test, Guillaume says he can easily find out which videos are being most recommended on any given day on any given topic. And then I observed a lot of weird things that the algorithm is pushing you towards conspiracy theories much more than it would be pushing you towards journalism. So if you would search, for instance, to learn about uh, Egyptians, it will very soon recommend conspiracy theories about aliens and different races uh, that build the pyramids because it would have been too difficult to build by humans. And it goes there really fast. So if there is a problem and Guillaume has no doubts about it, what is YouTube doing to tackle it? like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Do you understand that? For a start, they banned prominent conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, who you heard there. YouTube said it did not tolerate hate speech. But more importantly, YouTube also announced it would be recommending fewer videos that quote-unquote misinform users in harmful ways. Videos promoting phony miracle cures for serious illnesses, claiming the Earth is flat, making blatant false claims about historic events like 9-11. Until you change this or you enable users to get out of their filter bubble and discover and judge for themselves what's true or what's not true, until you do that, the things they proposed are just very local, whack-a-mole kind of approach. Each time there is a problem popping up, they try to fix it as fast as possible with some simple solution but they never try to 
really radically change the way their algorithm works. They say they are taking responsibility more into account, but we don't know what this what they mean by responsibility. They say they are putting information panels, but they're putting information panels in terms of Wikipedia link and video, so it's it's not the same type of content. What Guillaume is referring to is YouTube's announcement last year that it would start adding Wikipedia links to videos that included misinformation. This is meant to help people find their way to more fact-based content. Now, the problem is, it doesn't always work. Shortly after a fire started at the iconic Notre Dame Cathedral last month, the live footage could be found on YouTube. But on a couple of channels run by news outlets, the footage was presented along with a link to a Wikipedia article about the 9-11 attacks, which of course could be seen as suggesting there was some terrorist link to the fire in Notre Dame. There wasn't one, of course, but you can see why the suspicion would arise. So what should YouTube be doing about the problem of conspiracy theories and misinformation going viral on their platform? I put the question to Guillaume. YouTube has a responsibility in terms of civic debate. And they could invest in technology to try to make the civic debate better, to make the civic debate more constructive and not just maximize the amount of time people spend online. And there's a lot of things that should be tried. But if they are too scared to try anything, like right now they are too scared to get away from this watch time radically, then we are stuck and we can't innovate anymore because they are the only one who can innovate and they don't want to do it. We asked YouTube for an interview, but they wouldn't give us one. Instead, they sent us a statement where they say... The Algo Transparency tool was created outside of YouTube and does not accurately reflect how YouTube's recommendations work or how people watch and interact with YouTube. We strongly disagree with the methodology, data, and most importantly, the conclusions made in Algo Transparency's research. We've designed our systems to help ensure that content from more authoritative sources is surfaced prominently in search results and watch next recommendations in certain contexts including when a viewer is watching news-related content on YouTube. YouTube also told us that they have taken a number of steps to address misinformation on their platform. They say that their recommendation system has changed substantially since Guillaume worked on it, and that no part of the system that Guillaume worked on is in using the YouTube recommendation system today. They said that extreme content, as a rule, does not do as well as other types of content and that it's not in the company's interest to recommend conspiracy videos rather than journalism. YouTube says it's made huge advances in deleting hateful and terrorist-supporting content. They've taken down millions of videos, many automatically. They also say they're working with organizations around the world to tackle extremism. As our conversation comes to an end, I ask Guillaume whether the users, people like you and me, aren't also to blame. At the end of the day, if uh, YouTube's become this supposed incubator for toxic content, misinformation and lies, surely the people watching this content, making the decision to click on these videos, are also to blame. As long as the users don't react, as long as the users don't say, no, this is not okay for us, to have this conspiracy, to have society getting more and more divided. So it's not an 
YouTube to change by themselves. It's on user to tell YouTube, no, I can't accept this divided world anymore. This is dangerous. I don't want my children to live in this future. You may or may not buy into Guillaume's argument that the way YouTube is designed is actually harming the world we live in. But you can't deny Western societies are becoming more polarized. And some truths, simple things like the Earth is round, the moon landing happened, or climate change exists, are being questioned to an extent that until a few years ago might have been unthinkable. There's no denying that YouTube, like most social media companies, has provided a platform to ideas that without the internet may have struggled to go mainstream. Guillaume says YouTube has gone further, and by trying to get people to stay online for longer, it ended up rewarding sensationalist, extremist content that actually harms society. As far as it's concerned, YouTube says it takes its responsibilities seriously, and the company has taken measures to address the issues raised in this program. But as I look at my YouTube feed, I can't avoid a sense of unease. And I find myself asking the question, who's really deciding how I should see the world? What I should think? How I should vote? What I should believe in? Is it me or my social media feed? That's it for today's episode. You've been listening to the BBC Trending Podcast with me, Marco Silva. Special thanks to our production coordinator, Sarah Jackson, and our editor, Mike Wendling. This program was recorded and mixed by our colleague Neva Missirian. If you'd like to get in touch with the team, feel free to do so. You'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Just search for BBC Trending. Before I go, I just want to tell you about The Inquiry, another podcast from my colleagues here at the BBC World Service. Every week, the team attempts to answer a single question, going behind the headlines to investigate and explain a subject that's currently in the news. In recent weeks, they've asked, what's so scary about Huawei? What would it take to impeach President Trump? Can you rehabilitate a child caught up in violent extremism? And even, how did K-pop conquer the world? So, if you want to be better informed about the issues on the news, you might want to consider subscribing to The Inquiry. Just search for The Inquiry wherever you found this podcast.